you come to God's Word. Lord, we thank You this morning, Lord, that You are the King of kings and Lord of lords, that You are in control, great God, and that we can come to You this morning. We can trust You completely, great God. Thank You that You have made a way for us. Thank You for the gift of Your Word. Thank You that You're a God who longs to speak to us. And so we open our hearts to Your Word now in these moments. We pray this in Jesus' Name. Amen. Please be seated. Just wanna add my welcome to you. One of the best things about being up here is I get to take my mask off for a little while while I'm up here sharing, uh, which is a blessing. And to those joining us online as well, very warm welcome to you. Wherever you're linking in from, we just pray you'll feel right at home with us today and know God's presence, God's uh, desire just to meet with us personally this morning. Uh, I read recently the story of a pastor and his son, Seth, And uh, the curious five-year-old son was with his parents during a communion service. And uh, he watched, the son watched intently as his parents received the elements and bowed their heads to pray. And the pastor said a few seconds later, he thought he'd just steal a peek to see what was going on with their unusually quiet son. And as he had a bit of a peek, he could see that his son was intently watching him as he was taking the elements and bowed in prayer and Uh, the father sort of thought to himself, man, what a good parent I am. What a good job I'm doing. What a good parenting example I'm setting. And in that same moment, uh, as a little bit of pride was creeping in there, um, Seth leaned forward, the young boy leaned forward to him and said, Dad, what's in that stuff you eat and drink? Every time you eat it, you just fall straight to sleep. What's in that stuff there? (laughs) Kids are good, aren't they? They're keeping us humble, um, keeping us very humble. But Maybe this morning as you come, you're feeling a little bit tired. Maybe as you come this morning, you're feeling worn out, exhausted, weary with life. Maybe that's how you feel this morning as you come. Well, interestingly, more than ever in history, people are struggling to get rest. Maybe you know what it feels like to be awake during the night, to find it struggle because of things that are on your mind, things that you're concerned about, anxious about, situations now and maybe for the future, and you find it hard to find rest. Well, many people across our world are struggling to get enough sleep. Research shows that this is the case. And the effects of, of, that this has on our lives uh, is, is massive. Let me read you just some of the impact, uh, some of the effects of not getting enough sleep. Here's, here's a list. Memory issues. Trouble with thinking and concentration, mood changes, weakened immunity, high blood pressure, poor balance, risk of heart disease, risk for diabetes, risk of stroke, depression and anxiety, and even wrinkles is on the list. True, it's on the list. I'll explain why. Over time, lack of sleep can lead to premature wrinkling because there's a link between lack of sleep and an increase in the stress hormone cortisol in the body. Cortisol can break down collagen, the protein that keeps skin smooth. So it's not good news, is it, really? The lack of sleep is not good, not good at all. But if you're feeling tired, weary, exhausted, stressed, worried, anxious this morning. There is good news for you this morning. The Bible is full of good news. I want to tell you that. If you haven't read much of the Bible before, it's so full of good news to bless you. And it's no wonders that, um, that in the midst of our 24-7 world where there are just constant, it's hard to step away, isn't it? It's no wonder that we are struggling to find rest. We're in a series looking at the book of Mark and The title of this series is, Who Do You Say I Am? Jesus um, 
coming and asking to his disciples, who do you say I am? And this is the question that the, the gospel writer Mark wants to answer through his gospel account, who Jesus said that he was. And today in the passage we're looking at, Jesus makes a somewhat confusing statement. He says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. And what does he mean when he says, what, is, what does that mean, Lord of the Sabbath? Not a term we sort of use much these days. Well, stick with me to find out because this truth of what Jesus is saying here is more relevant than ever before. It is a life-transforming truth. So stick with me as we look at this together. Up to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 23. And this is what it says. It says, One Sabbath... Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples, and as his disciples walk, walked along, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the son of man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were there looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he, could, he would heal him on the Sabbath. And Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But they remained silent. And it says that Jesus looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. He said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. This is God's word to us this morning. And here we have two incidents back to back that both happen on a Sabbath. And Jesus finds himself in a lot of trouble with the, the religious leaders and the teachers of the law. The two things that took place, firstly, Jesus was picking some heads of grain with his disciples as they walked through a field. And the second, on another Sabbath day, was the healing of this man with a shriveled hand. And to understand what's going on here, we need to understand the significance of the Sabbath for the people of God. The law of God given to Moses for his people directed that you had to rest one day in seven. This was called Shabbat. This was the Sabbath, where we get the word Sabbath from. And the Sabbath, the seventh day, was a holy day, God said. And the number seven is a big deal in the Bible. It's connected to the idea of fullness and completeness. And it's something that we all long for, but we often don't get to experience in this life. Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos without any real rest. So keeping this in mind, if we go back to the very beginning in Genesis chapter one, we see that the world begins in darkness and disorder, but then God speaks and he brings about light and order so that life can flourish. And this happens over the course of six days. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops, it says, and rests. 
And the reason he stops and rests is because creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation and the land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans who are appointed to rule over the world along with God forever. But the humans are deceived by Satan and they forfeit that rest that God wanted to bless them with and they're exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. And ever since, humankind has struggled to find true rest. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses, he chose in, in history to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so that they could share it with others. That was God's plan. But how? How is he gonna do that? They're in Egypt, they're slaves to an impressive, oppressive empire who is grinding them into the dust. How is this gonna take place? Well, God confronts Egypt. He liberates the Israelites, taking them through darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land. Now, while they're on their way, they find themselves in the wilderness and it's easy to get lost in the wilderness. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet, that's for sure. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they are in the promised land enjoying future rest. This is the invitation from God. And this is where God gives the law. He tells them that, that, that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world that he has created. God said, I want you to take a whole day off, off to live as though ultimate rest has already come. That's his invitation to his people. But there is more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. And if you thought that was a lot of sevens, stick with me, there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, let the land rest for a whole year. This was called the sabbatical year. And then every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. And in the year of Jubilee, if anyone had lost the land or gone into debt, all was forgiven and everything was restored in the year of Jubilee. And so the Sabbath, the feast, the sabbatical year, the year of Jubilee are all pointing towards the hope of an ultimate future rest. So the Sabbath, I want you to see here, is so much more than just a day off. So much more than that. It's about restoring the diminished. It's about replenishing the drained. It's about repairing the broken. It's about being made whole and complete, finding our ultimate satisfaction in God himself. This is what it truly means, the Sabbath is all about. And so understanding this background, we find Jesus getting into trouble with the religious leader on these, these Sabbath days. And the reason for this, that as great as this law was, you've got to rest one day in seven, what a great law. The religious leaders of the day had saddled this law with so many specific regulations. They had created 39 types of work, types of activity that you could not do on the Sabbath. And one of them, 
just happened to be picking grain as you were walking through a field. And on the second incident, we see that the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the religious leaders, they're looking to see whether Jesus will do something else that might break one of these Sabbath regulations also. And here's the reason Jesus is so angry in this passage. We read that he's actually angry with their stubborn hearts. Think about it. It makes sense that he's angry. It's just common sense. What's the Sabbath about? The Sabbath is, is about is about rest, it's about restoring the diminished is what it's about. It's about replenishing the drain, it's about repairing the broken, bringing wholeness and healing. So the man with the shriveled hand, to deal with that shriveled hand is to do exactly what the Sabbath day is all about. Yet because they were so concerned, the religious leaders were so concerned to make sure they followed the regulations about the Sabbath, They didn't want him to heal the man with the shriveled hand, which is an incredible example, isn't it, of of spiritually speaking, missing the forest for the trees. They completely missed it. And their hearts in reality were just as shriveled as, as this man's hand. That's the reality. So listen again to what Jesus says in response. In verse 27 and 28, he says, Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. It's so easy to miss the magnitude of what Jesus has just said here, the significance of this for our lives. First of all, he didn't only say, I have the divine authority to change the Sabbath. He could have said that if he wanted to. He could have even said, I'm Lord over the Sabbath or something similar to that. But remember the word Sabbath means, means deep rest, deep peace. It's almost a synonym for, for shalom. It's almost the same. Now what Jesus says here when he says, he's Lord even of the Sabbath, he is saying, I am the Lord of rest. I am the source of deep rest you need. He's saying, I am the Sabbath. Don't miss this. I am the Sabbath. The reason I'm coming to completely change the way in which you do Your rest is because I am the Sabbath. I am that ultimate rest that the prophets have been talking about, that the year of Jubilee represents. I fulfill it. And the one day a week rest you get is just an image of this deep divine rest that you can find in me. This is what Jesus is talking about. If we come back to the significance of the number seven, the Sabbath, the feast, the year of Jubilee, all of this pointing towards the hope of an ultimate future rest. If we pick up the story of the Israelites again, when they finally went into the promised land, when they got there, they forgot their God. They forfeited their chance to rest in the promised land and they're exiled and enslaved again by an oppressive nation led back into a world of chaos and disorder. Before you're too critical of the Israelites, how often do we do this in our own journey as well? So often this is our problem. But the Israelites' prophets came and they said, Their exile would end one day and the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come. But generations go by, generation after generation, and they are still waiting and waiting for this rest to come. And it's at this dark point in history that Jesus appears. He launches his public ministry, his public mission of on all days, surprise to surprise, it was a Sabbath day that he launched his mission. And he read aloud, from the scroll of Isaiah, Isaiah 61, which says that it was time for all the captives and slaves to be released because this was, he says, the year of the Lord's favour. 
What's he talking about? He's talking about the year of Jubilee. It had come in Jesus. It had now come. This ultimate rest had come in him. And this is what Jesus is talking about here. The significance, don't miss it, of this this statement, he says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He's saying, I'm Lord, I'm the Lord of rest. I'm the source of the deep rest you need. I am the Sabbath. And when the Bible calls you to rest, there are two levels of rest that it is talking about. The first level is that you need to take time off. You need physical and mental time off from your work. That is important. This is how God created us. We're not created to go 24-7. It's not what we were designed to do. I heard the funny story of a church member who once said to his pastor, I prayed, I, I phoned you on a, on a Monday, but there was no reply. Yes, replied the pastor, Monday is my day off. A day off, replied the church member. Satan doesn't take a day off. That's right, said the pastor. If I didn't take a day off, I'd be just like him. <laughs> funny story, but it's true, isn't it? We were created for rest. And perhaps today this word is for you because you've been neglecting rest. You've been neglecting rest. Perhaps work has become an idol for you. It happens so easily in our culture, in our society, where so much of our value and worth and identity is tied to what we do. First time ever in history that's been the case. But maybe work has become an idol for you. Maybe it is it is um, taking away from your spiritual life, from your family life. You've, you've prioritized it above God. You've prioritized it above everything else. And this morning you hear this word from God, this command to rest one day in seven. And I know how hard this is. I know when there are pressures in work situations, I know how hard it can be to think that, well, how do I possibly stop? But it actually is a, a step of faith and trust in Jesus. When we stop and we rest, we're saying, God, I trust you. I trust you with my work. I trust you, Lord. My ultimate trust and faith is in you. And we need to trust God, even when the business and pressures are there, to say, God, this is how you created us. He created us to have a day of rest. And this is important, particularly in our 24-7 world in which we live. But there's another level of rest that this passage is really calling us to here. And unless we understand this deeper level of rest, I want to tell you that no amount of physical rest will really help. It's actually the source, the driver of us wanting to keep, keep putting work above God as well. Unless we get this, no amount of vacations or holidays. I know you might be thinking, I just need a good holiday. I want to tell you, unless you get this, it won't matter how many holidays you have, you will not know deep rest. And if you're feeling exhausted, worn out, tired, weary, then this is a word from God to help you, to encourage you, to bless you this morning. There is a deeper level of rest. Remember at the end of Genesis 1, when God created the world, it said that he rested from his work. What does this mean? Does, does God get tired? Is that why he needed to rest? No, I can assure you God was not tired or worn out after doing creation. He is all-powerful. He was not exhausted. That is not why he rested. Why did God stop and rest? It's because rest, what the Bible is talking about here, it means to be so utterly satisfied with your work that you can leave it alone. A deep satisfaction. When God had done creating the world, what did he say? He said, it is good. It's good. And he rested. This is what it means to rest at a deeper level. It means to be so satisfied with something, you can just walk away from it. You can say, I, I can leave it go, I can put it down now. 
I'm satisfied with it. I'm happy with it. And only when you say it is finished, I'm so happy with it. I'm so satisfied. Can you walk away? I don't know. We don't often have that experience in this life, but that is the rest that God is talking about, the deeper rest. A great example of this is seen in the movie Chariots of Fire. I'm sure many of you have are familiar with this story or maybe even watched the movie. It's a true story about two Olympians in the 1924 Olympics. And one of the interesting things was one of the Olympians was a Scottish Christian and he wouldn't run on a Sabbath day. He wouldn't run on a Sunday and he lost a, out on getting a gold medal um, because of this. Many will, will know the story. But what's great about this movie is that on one level, it's, it's talking about taking a day of rest on one level. That's what it's talking about. But the movie then pulls it down to another level and it contrasts Harold Abrahams with Eric Little, who was the Christian, the Scottish Christian. And Harold Abrahams and Eric Little were both trying very, very hard to win gold medals. But Harold Abrahams in the story was doing it out of a need to prove himself. There's a place where he he essentially says when the gun goes off, he says, I've got nine or 10 seconds to justify my existence. This is what he says, his very words. He says, I get 10 seconds to justify my existence. That's what he says. He is trying to prove himself. He is trying to justify his value, his worth through this race, through winning a gold medal. Whereas Eric Little, on the other hand, simply wants to please the God he's already believed in and accepted. That's why at one place, and he knows that God has accepted him, that's why at one place he says to his sister um, these words. He says, God made me fast and when I run, I feel his pleasure. In other words, don't miss this. In other words, Harold Abrahams was weary even when he rested. Whereas Eric Little was rested even when he was exerting himself. Do you see the difference there? Such a big difference. Why is that the case? Why can Eric experience this and Abraham's not? Well, it's because there is a work we really need to rest from underneath our work. That's what the Bible's talking about. And for almost all of us until, in fact, for all of us, Until Jesus comes into our lives, we're working and we're doing things to prove ourselves, to convince God and others around us that we're good people, that we're good enough. That's what we do. But that work is never, ever over unless we rest in the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Because at the end of creation, Genesis, the Lord said, it is finished so he could rest. And on the cross... At the end of redemption, Jesus said, what did he say? He said, it is finished, is what he said. So that we could rest. Because when Jesus said, it is finished, what was finished? What was it that was done? Jesus was saying here that the work underneath your work, that real weariness, the thing that really makes you worry, concern, which is this need to prove yourself because you're not satisfied with who you are, You're never satisfied. It's never good enough. You keep working. He says, I have completed that very work. I have lived the life you should have lived. I have died the death you should have died. If you rest in my finished work, then you know, you'll know in your heart that God is satisfied with you. Just like Eric Little, you will know you can be satisfied with life in Jesus. This is the good news. 
of the gospel. This is what Jesus means when he says that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is what he's talking about. And on Thursday, we held a funeral service here for Matt Mora. Matt was only in his 50s and in the midst of the deep sadness of Matt's passing, there was also an amazing assurance and hope. I want to tell you that. Because of the restrictions, there's a limit to how many could be here for the service. I was able to watch the service online. It was powerful, powerful. You could sense it even just watching online. Matt shared his story of what Jesus had done in his life back at the Bridgie Carols in 2001. And Pastor Peter happened to find his story. He was digging through his files, found that story and shared a little bit of it at his service. And, it, and I want to share some of his story with you today because both, both to honour Matt and give thanks for his life and his impact and his influence, but also because it is such a powerful example of exactly what this, this truth is talking about, what Jesus is talking about here, that he has come to bring us true rest. Matt uh, was a self-confessed workaholic, as you'll see from his story, but this is what he shared. He said, hi, my name is Matt Mora, and I've been asked to share my story. Until the age of 33, I was quite unattached to religious things. I was your average guy, the self-motivated, self-oriented, self-sufficient type. Good job, good wife, good car, and in that order of priority. This is before he became a Christian. But when it all boiled down, I was running on empty. What's Matt saying? He said, I was tired. I was weary. I was worn out. He says, I was completely alone in my heart. I tried to fill my empty ache by drinking too much, too often, daily. I wasn't on the scrap heap or a park bench. Quite the opposite. I had a range of lucrative jobs in Australia and internationally. But inside, I could feel an empty ache My soul felt like a dirty glass test tube, dirty from my grubby approach to life. And still I hungered to be filled with peace and stability. He's longing for this rest in his soul. Then out of the blue came one of those life-changing experiences. I could hardly believe it. I had an awakening to Jesus Christ. It happened when a Christian I knew asked me how I was traveling and I told them about the empty ache I was feeling inside. And they suggested that I ask Christ for an answer in prayer. But I was suspicious. I had prayed to God before. Well, I had, pray, I had prayed to trade. I like that phrase. I had prayed to trade. I would say, hey God, get me out of this and I'll do whatever you want. And God always delivered. And I always promptly forgot my end of the bargain. Because I respected my Christian friend, I was unthreatened during our chat about prayer. And while we were talking, I decided to give it a go. I prayed a prayer to God, to myself, right then and there. And it all happened while driving a car from Darwin to Catherine on the 25th of April, 1995. And I decided to mumble a humble prayer. I love that. So simple. I don't remember the exact words he said, but it went something like this. Hey God, I've got nothing to trade now. I feel lost and alone. And if you're out there somewhere, I need you. Such a simple prayer. You know, he says, I never expected any reply at all, but just like having a conversation with someone 
God's reply came straight back and he said, I have always been with you, Matt. I've always been with you. The voice I heard was so clear, it was as clear as a bell and more comforting than any words I'd heard before. God spoke to me and the effect on me was immediate. I felt clean and refreshed inside. In that grubby test tube, it felt like a pure drop of silver mercury was falling, cutting right through all the junk I had crammed in there. And that silver mercury settled into the base of my soul. I was beginning to experience that rest, that Sabbath rest. So I started living a Christian lifestyle, not the plastic smiley face I thought all Christians were, but more the rubber hits the road type of Christian. I started to rely on the stability of Christ and began to change my addictions, the workaholic lifestyle. So today, I take strength in Christ as my leader and role model. I am no longer an empty vessel, aching and lost. You could say that the mercury is rising. Christ has blessed my wife and I with two beautiful children. I've held the hand of loved ones in their greatest joys and pains. This rest he'd received, now he's able to bless others. And with growing humility, I have learned to accept myself and no longer hide behind the bluff and bravado I used to. You see, you don't have to do that anymore when you know this rest in the Lord of the Sabbath. My life is still a challenging journey, but now I know without a doubt there is eternal hope. And the Christian family offers me great encouragement and warmth. I prayed to Jesus and he came to me and I pray you'll find him too. That's Matt's prayer for each and every person here today, those listening online as well. His prayer is that you would find this same rest. Isn't that a powerful testimony? See, Matt knew Jesus' words from Matthew 11, where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is what he was talking about. This is what Jesus meant when he was sharing on this day that he was the Lord of the Sabbath. And this invitation is for each and every one of us today, wherever we are on the journey of faith. He's inviting us, his word to us today is to come and to enter into his rest. And I can't think of a better way to finish our service today than to actually come and share in communion, which we're gonna do in just a moment's time. If you're at home, we're gonna share in communion in just a moment as well. But I wanna invite you because there's no better way to conclude. There's a way we can respond as we come to share in communion today. There's a couple of different ways that God may be calling you to respond. The first is this, maybe you're here today, maybe you're listening online and you've never experienced that rest that Matt was talking about. You've never had that experience where you've come to Jesus, you've placed your faith and trust in Him. Maybe you're weary, you're burdened, you're worn out and you need, you're, you're look, looking for that, you're searching for that. Maybe you're looking for it in every other place and this morning Jesus is saying to you by His Holy Spirit, come to me. And just like Matt, it's, you can just mumble a humble prayer. It's, it's not complicated. It's not about fancy words. You can just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, just like Matt and say, Jesus, I need you this morning. That's what Matt did. Driving in a car, wherever you are, wherever you're watching online, this morning the Holy Spirit might be saying just to come, come to Jesus, experience his rest. Just pray that prayer in your own heart and you can pray that and then come and 
take the bread and the cup because this represents, this communion represents Jesus' finished work on the cross for us. That's what this is all about. There's no better way to finish but to come and to, to say thank you, Jesus, for your finished work. You can do that this morning. For others here today, maybe it's that your work has taken priority in your life. Maybe it's taken priority over your relationship with God. It's impacting your relationships with others around you, your family, and without realising it, it, it's, it's become an idol. Maybe you've not intended that, but you can see now this morning through the Holy Spirit speaking to you through God's word that it's the negative impact and that things have got out of priority. And God is saying to you this morning, he's saying you need to reprioritize things. You need to put me back front and center. You need to rest as I've created you to. You need to trust me in faith with your work. You need to stop looking to your work for your identity, for your value. Instead, you need to come back to me, to, to the finished work not trying to justify yourself anymore through your work, but come back and reprioritize. Maybe that's a call for you this morning. As you come and take the elements today, the bread and the cup, it's an opportunity for you just to, just to reprioritize. Say, God, I want to put you back in your rightful place. I want you to help me. Help me to rest as you've called me to rest. Help me to put you first again. Help me to put right relationships that have been impacted because of my, the, 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 the priority that work has taken in my life. And the last Response is this, and this is, I think, for, for all of us today, in fact, all of us watching online, those here as well, and that is that maybe you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Maybe you're trusting in his finished work on the cross for you, but you have found yourself losing that sense of rest and peace in Jesus. You find yourself weary, exhausted, anxious, tired, worn out this morning, weighed down maybe even with self condemnation this morning and you've fallen back into the, to the pattern of trying to justify yourself before God and others rather than resting in Jesus and what He has done for you, that He has justified you through the cross. And today as we come and share in communion, I want to read this passage from Hebrews chapter 4. It says these words. It says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from His back in the beginning in creation. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. And it seems so strange when you read that passage, it almost seems like a contradiction. He says, we've got to work hard at entering the rest. We've got to make every effort to enter into the rest. Why does the writer to the Hebrews say this? Why is he saying this? He's saying it because he knows the default mode of the human heart is to keep turning back. I know the default mode of my heart is to keep turning back, to want to justify myself keep turning back to want to prove my value, my worth through the things I do. And, and the writer of the Hebrews says, no, 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 no. We've got to keep making every effort to come back because of the default mode of the human heart. We've got to keep coming back to the finished work of Jesus on the cross. That's what this meal is all about. And Jesus is saying to us this morning, if you're in Jesus and you realize you're weary, you're tired, you're worn out because you've been turning back to the default mode of your heart, trying to justify yourself before God and others. He's saying, come back again to the finished work where he said, it is finished. He is our Sabbath rest. And he says, I want you to come to share in this meal this morning. 
to remember afresh what I've done for you, to rest in me anew this morning. Where there's been self-condemnation or maybe even looking at others in those ways, come back, come back to the finished work of the cross and say, Jesus, I look to you, I trust in you this morning. I've been justified by you and your finished work on the cross for me. And so I'm gonna pray as we come to share together. Now let's do that. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this incredible truth that you are the Lord of the Sabbath. And Lord, we thank you for giving us the deep rest that comes through Jesus who died on the cross saying, it is finished. And you did this so that we can know you're satisfied with us so that we can pick up and leave our work and leave our pursuits and the things that can make us so weary. And deep down inside, know because of your finished work, we can truly rest in you. Lord, we do not want any more to live lives of anxiety, of self-condemnation, of condemning others as well, Lord. We wanna have that life of grace. We wanna have our whole lives revolve around you, Lord God. And we pray that you would help us through what we've learned through your word today to do it through Jesus and in his name we pray, amen. So I invite you to take the elements before you now. You can prepare that if you're here in the auditorium, those online as well. And the night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. So now we have an opportunity just to respond to God. This is a, a moment for us just to respond, to thank him again for his finished work. Take the bread and just eat it as you give thanks for all he's done for you. same way after the meal Jesus took the cup he said this cup is the cup of the new covenant my blood shed for the remission of sins he said take this drink it drink it give thanks for my finished work on the cross let's do that together as we continue to respond Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you 
uh, Lord, even of the Sabbath, great God. We thank you that you've come to bring us true rest. Lord, we thank you that you've come to bring healing and wholeness in you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we pray, Lord, that you'll help us to continue to work hard at remaining in this rest. Even this very week, Lord, I pray you'll help us just to remain here in this place. Great God. Thank you for this time together this morning, Lord. Just that sense of you coming, refreshing us, renewing us, Lord, doing your work among us through your word, by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we respond to you. We thank you, Lord. And our natural heart responds as we as we understand these truths, I just want to worship you, Lord. It fills us with joy. It fills us with life, Lord God. It enables us to pour our lives out for others, Lord God. We can pour it out because we know this deep rest in you, Lord. Even when we're pouring our lives out, we can know this deep, deep rest, Lord, in you. And so, Lord, we just want to bless your holy name this morning. We want to thank you and praise you and continue to come into your presence now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's going to be an opportunity just to continue to respond in worship now. And uh, we're going to sing a beautiful song which speaks about just this invitation from Jesus for us to come to Him. Come, experience the rest, the wholeness, the fullness, the healing that is found in Him. So we're going to stand together. If you're online, stay with us as we worship together as well. Let's stand, respond in worship. You continue to respond in your heart to Him. Enjoy His presence here with us this morning. Let's do that together.
Lord Jesus, this is such good news for us this morning, Lord. It fills with joy, great God. And so, Lord, I pray, great God, as You have revealed this to us, Lord, as You've shown this to us for any this morning, for the very first time, I'm saying yes to You, Jesus. You bless them, great God. Fill them with Your peace. Fill them with that awareness, Lord, that they are forgiven, made whole. They can rest in You, Jesus. And for all of us, Lord, help us this week to live in the reality of Your finished work on the cross for us, Lord, we pray. And to share this with others, Lord. May it just flow out of us, great God. Enable us just to keep pouring our lives out, Lord, as we rest in You, Jesus. This is our prayer. And so we worship You, Lord. We praise Your Name. We thank You for Your presence here with us today. It's been so good to gather together as Your people. So we worship and we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Can we put our hands together one more time? Just give thanks to our great God. So good. Praise God. Please be seated. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. If you'd like prayer, if you're online, email through to prayerofbridgman.org.au. If you want to know more what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, you can click on the Respond to Jesus button. If you'd like prayer here in the auditorium, come down the front. But God bless you. And don't forget, three baptisms tonight at our six o'clock service. God bless.